Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, and I'm so excited because we are doing a deep dive today in nothing more than Dungeons and Dragons, the movie, the most recent one, Honor Among Thieves. Now, Dungeons and Dragons is a game. You might have seen many parodies of it in different films, such as Futurama's Bender's Game, one of my favorite. But the game was first invented in 1974. And while it was derived from wargaming, it is more of a role-playing game, and it helped launch a whole new industry. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons also launched multiple movies, different versions of the games, an animated series. And in 2023, what we're going to be speaking about today, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Now, the official plot, listed by the website DungeonsAndDragons.movie, it's a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic. So very quest-heavy. But things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Dungeons & Dragons and Honor Among Thieves brings the rich world and playful spirit of the legendary role-playing game to the big screen in a hilarious and action-packed adventure. Now, I'm excited to be discussing this today because I finally get to bring on one of my best friends uh, who has come to see several movies with me as screening. But this will be her first time uh, on the podcast. And she's actually my dungeon master for the D&D games, which I just couldn't get into. I'm I'm sorry about that. (laughs) It's okay. We'll get you. We'll get you. Sometime. Sometime. I have my friend with me today, JJ Safely. JJ, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm glad I got to see the movie, and I'm glad I get to talk about it. Oh, definitely. I think from the first time I saw the trailers coming out to it, you were like, I'm claiming this. This is my spot. I get to be your plus one with this. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. much. I've been (laughs) very excited about this. Mm -hmm. Before we get started, I do want to acknowledge that Andy's not with us. Uh, I did ask him if he was a fan of the game or anything like that, but he hasn't really played it before, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to have this conversation between me and my friend today. So we got to the screening, and I just thought it was a press screening, so usually it's a bit smaller. Just the critics and me and Andy laughing because we're fans and everyone else (laughs) is a little more critical. But this time we got to the Megaplex, who also sponsors our show, and there was a huge line of people there all dressed up and ready to experience Dungeons & Dragons on the big screen. There were so many people, and it was so exciting because uh, it is so much fun to watch a movie with with fans with people who are excited with people who get some of the jokes or get some of the things that you know a critic who doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) doesn't pick up on right and you know I love that you mentioned that because like the night before we'd seen Shazam and there was definitely some moments I was laughing when others weren't because I was the big DC fan so it was fun having you and these other fans there of Dungeons and Dragons because they were laughing along with things. And there's even a few things afterwards I had to be like, um, <laughs> JJ, what does this mean? <laughs> what is the treasure chest that try to eat somebody? Yeah. Is that in the trailer? Uh, so this first segment is going to be spoiler free. So we're just going to talk a little bit about what we felt about this comedic adventure, if it captured the magic of the game, of the role-playing game. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper, not only into Dungeons & Dragons, the movie, but the mythology, the lore, and what got J.J. here interested in it. 
Ooh, okay. okay. I'll do my best on that. There's so much about the mythology and lore that I don't know because <laughs> most of my games that I've participated in are homebrew, mm-hmm. which means homebrew means that the DM created it, figured mm-hmm. it out, uh, usually creates their own world, their own the DM's mythology. A dungeon master. The dungeon right? master. That direct yeah. message. Okay. Yeah. So much terminology to <laughs> oh, learn today. Yes, sliding into your DMs means very different things <laughs> <laughs> to different people. So, um, so it was really fun because I show up to the movies. We are getting our popcorn. We're getting all set uh, in order to go in there. People were dressed up. You had an awesome necklace that you'd made out of the different dices for the game. Yes. So, um, <laughs> actually, when I first got into Dungeons and Dragons, in we're thinking like two thousands. Six, mm-hmm. I think, college days, yeah. and my friends were playing this game that I'd kind of heard of Dungeons and Dragons before, and they invited me to play, and I just had a blast. And it was a homebrew that was the three point five rules, but um, I just loved it. Started becoming a dice goblin, uh-huh. um, <laughs> which you know, if you play D anD D, you know. If you don't, you don't understand. The hoarding of dice, um, but <laughs> okay. So it, apparently you're like a, you're a little dragon with your own little dice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there. That's what you you do. You you hoard dice. And uh, there was a a game store. There was a big bag of dice. I bought it and mm-hmm. for thirty bucks. That <laughs> honestly great deal because there was like hundreds of dice in this bag. Oh wow! And I made a bunch of dice necklaces. I just drilled a hole through the dice mm-hmm. and strung them on necklaces, gave them to some friends and um, kept one for yourself at least. Of course. Kept one for myself. <laughs> I like wearing it, but I like also when I get opportunities to like show it off for things mm-hmm. like the preview that we went to mm-hmm. and you know other Which I things. Which I'm always dressing up for things so it was yeah. so fun seeing you dressed up. If I had a Dungeons and Dragons shirt I, I would totally have, <laughs> have joined you with that. Uh, let's Before we get into actually what the movie is do you want to explain the game and the bare basic explain like I'm five level because I think that will add to understanding the structure of the film and what makes it unique from other versions of Dungeons and Dragons entertainment variations. It's a role playing game. Mm-hmm. You make a character, you pretend to be that person, and you go on adventures. And there's the term theater of the mind. You imagine it all. Uh, When it first came out, it was very bare bones. All you really needed was your character sheet. People didn't need their own dice. The DM was the one who did all the rolling. Mm -hmm. And the DM just basically took people through this adventure, and people would just say, hey, I want to do this thing. The DM would... determined through a dice roll if they succeeded or not. Mm-hmm. And it was just very much open to whatever is in your imagination. There's no limits. It's gone through some variations through the years. So I didn't start playing until 3.5. Mm-hmm. What are they on now? We are on uh, 5E, so 5th oh. edition. Okay. Um, and that is, I feel like, one of the reasons why Dungeons & Dragons has become very popular. 5E is a lot of fun to play. And it is also simplifies a lot of the mathy things, which I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, you're trying, you're tricking well, me to do math. It's not as mathy as what you think. <laughs> now, there. Let me tell you, three point five had a lot of other, a lot more mathy things, and it, it depending on who you are, 
sometimes that, these are like the different skill levels and yeah. stuff, and that interacts how you play and what 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 dice you use or well, and it just kind of depends. Like you can you can kind of um, through the rules make your character more specific mm-hmm. in other editions, whereas in five. E, there are rules containing like how things work and Mm -hmm. but I don't know I feel like it helps leave a lot more room to personal interpretation or Mm -hmm. DM interpretation and so it's a lot easier to come up with something ridiculous Mm -hmm. and say okay how do I build a character how do I build a Batman character Mm -hmm. how do I build a character based off of David Bowie on Labyrinth um (laughs) How do I build a character based off of pretty much you, – you can just choose something existing and try to make a character like that. And there's a lot of leeway. Um, there's a lot of leeway, but there's a lot of lore uh, in it as well that you might need to be able to understand. Well, and I think that's important when you understand the movie because it, it is a different feeling adventure. You know, I've tried to play Dungeons and Dragons a, a couple of times. Back in high school, the guys really wouldn't let me play it. So I just make up my own characters, drawing lots of different elves, of course, warrior elves. And then coming to your group, I, I totally got lost and just sat on the floor listening to people play in this very imaginative and wonderful way. And that's very much the structure of the film. You know, it is a quest that they're embarking on. They, they have to retrieve that lost relic. They have to, you know, they become friends and family and, and go across these different things. So it, it definitely is a different structure of film as you're going through because you have kind of these check marks of, okay, this part of the quest, now I'm going on this tangent. Now we're going back to the main quest. Now we're going on this tangent. Now we're learning this lesson, coming back. But what I loved about it, and I think what came out about it is, it was it's just ridiculously imaginative and very, very character-driven, which makes sense when you're playing the game. It's the character-drivenness that really allows that fun and interaction as a friend group. All right, so so this is our discussion on Dungeons & Dragons, a movie, and, and Dungeons & Dragons as a whole. Um, overall, I thought the movie was just very enjoyable. <laughs> it's ridiculous, imaginative adventure in, like, the best way. It's filled with witty banner and deep backstory. Fans of the game will love the Easter eggs and non-players will still be entertained and, as we've discussed today, may be intrigued enough to, to pick up the D20. Um, and overall, I think if you're a fan of adventure movies in the first place, of fantasy movies, go see it. Go see it on the big screen. You're going to enjoy that. Uh, but if you don't really have that patience, then it may, might not be the movie movie for you. I think all over, all over, I'd probably give this like a B plus. It's not a perfect movie, but because it's not really a movie, it was a game being shown. Um, and so, if you're walking in expecting that kind of hero's journey experience, then sighting and since the denouement, you're you're not. You might get a little impatient. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I loved it. I loved the characters. I lo- the banter was so much fun. And I, I definitely think for people like us who were fans talking about fandoms, we're gonna like it. Yeah. What so, about what about you? What's your overall impression of the film? Overall impression, um, movie wise, I I give it B B plus. If you go in expecting to watch people play a game and that just be realized from their imaginations, I give that an A plus because mm-hmm. that was just so much fun. I think fans are going to enjoy it. And, you know, going in with that expectation of you are watching people play a game, even though you're not literally watching people play a game, like imagining that people are playing this game, I don't really see anything to to really criticize much about this movie. <laughs> 
So uh-huh. that's that's fantastic. And we're going to move forward in this conversation and kind of keep it loose and, and kind of keep it fun. And I'm interested because, you know, JJ, I, I've only known you for a couple of years now. I was one of the people who played uh, the game with you in college. So do you want to kind of ex- explain to me what got you into it and why it's so fun for you now? Yeah. So basically what happens is every time I go through a breakup, I mm-hmm. play Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> um <laughs> A boy oh, well, I, get, I get a bad haircut, so that's that's better. That's a better one. Let me tell me. you, this is more fun. Um, no, uh, that's note to self. That's literally what has happened every time on how I find a group. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was in college in about 2006, I went through a breakup, and one of my really good friends um, had made a bunch of other friends, and they had started D and D game. Well, using the D&D rules, it was an original story and characters and, mm-hmm. and mythology and And that's what you everything. make home, homebrew. It's homebrew. original. So, yeah, okay. that's okay. what a homebrew is, is, is all that's original. And so that's when I start playing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that time kind of, kind of ends, and I don't get back to role-playing games until uh, after my next breakup. Um, mm-hmm. This time, though, uh, I found a group by going to a store, uh, just a general nerd store. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I need I need a group. I want to play this game again. And so I ended up in a Pathfinder group. So Pathfinder is another uh, role-playing game that's very similar to D&D 3.5 rules. It's just another company. And okay. so very similar. So it's a similar game, but not yeah, Dungeons simil- and Dragons. Yeah, similar game, not Gen- Dungeons and Dragons. And so uh, very similar rules and everything. And played that for a while until I moved. And then again, break up. And somebody was like, hey, you want to come play this game? And yep. And then again, another breakup. And I was on the hunt for another group. And then... <laughs> That was, <laughs> you know, what I like though is you're, you're using this as a social tool, it, as being able to, to I, find and gather people to support you in such a literal way through storytelling. I have made a lot of friends through looking for groups, and actually, all the times before I would stop playing mm-hmm. and then go through a period of a couple years before playing again. Oh, wow! Uh-huh. And now I started playing back in 2019. Mm-hmm. And have been pretty consistent yeah, it was, since I then. Think, was it right before or right after I met you? I, I remember it was pretty close to it. Bef- it was before. We didn't meet till 2021. The, oh, okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah. I ended up meeting you mm-hmm. because <laughs> I moved in with somebody who I met through playing Dungeons & Dragons. Like, <gasps> oh, so Dungeons & Dragons so is semi-responsible for our friendship. It has brought us together. Like, I love it. Our friendship <laughs> is very much based on, on nerdy things. It so. really is, and she, I love she it. She helps give me that confidence to, to do that. So it sounds like it was the social aspect that drew you into the it, game. It really was. It was the social aspect. And that's the great thing about this game is that there are a lot of reasons, different reasons why people play. Mm-hmm. So a social aspect is a big one. And I feel like that's one reason why it's very popular because it is a fun way. It's a fun thing as an adult to get with friends and make believe, pretend, yeah. be a kid again. 
That was one of the good things. So after I met you a few months, you're like, let's go to the Renaissance Fair. I'm like, oh, she's going to think I'm crazy with all my elven costume and everything. And you're walking around with your witch costume just in in your total comfortable skin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Any chance I get to dress up, be part of the nerd things, mm-hmm. I'm there. I love it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I think Dungeons & Dragons have started to – Bring in more people than just kind of your yeah. your traditional nerd, mm-hmm. like people who are playing the game for just social aspect. They want to be kids again. Oh, I love that because, you know, it's through theater. It's through play. We face these different ideas that we might not get exposed to in real life. And so as we're making decisions for our characters, we are actually making decisions for ourselves. Like as a child doing theater productions, you know, that had the Holocaust in it or war or other hard situations, I had to face those realities as well. So it really is through play, through theater, through performance that we learn, which I think is a bit what we do here. It's also some strategy game. It's very much strategy. I remember, so in high school, some of the kids that were in my theater program with me, they'd play it, but I wouldn't really play it. I'd just kind of watch and draw my own characters. But I love the importance of continuing to play in life like actually playing and allowing that child uh, imaginative experience and just you know I uh, one thing I do when I play with my nieces and nephews a lot is we play by improv rules which is you say yes and <laughs> so I don't let them stop and try to take charge of the play I'm like nope we're, we're gonna do yes and somebody said it keep going keep going um, and that happens in gaming as well it looks like I've only been to one of your nights uh, but I've heard you speak of it many times uh, but it is fun to hear these different quests and stories and experiences and um, ridiculous imaginative ways that different scenarios can play out like there really is a a strategy involved in it yeah and i mean that's actually a couple other reasons why people play the theater kids they Mm -hmm. get to pretend and act out another character or your storytellers your writers Mm -hmm. you know um creating this organic story together with other people and yeah you don't know how things are going to happen you don't know Mm -hmm. choices that people are going to make and even though I am DMing for my first time with a table of new first-time players, mm-hmm. even as they are trying to get used to understanding the game and how I know these people, they're good friends or also family, mm-hmm. um, they make choices that I never expected. Right. And I'm not prepared. about them. And I'm just like great just that's great let me google something really quick yeah that's a let me let me think of how that would work you know because the the funnest thing as a player is when you make a choice and you're allowed to go with that yeah you don't have uh you know there's a range of different people who run the game the dms Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. different types from uh, people who are like, we have a very specific story and I'm going to, you know, keep you on track and make sure we, we get mm-hmm. through this to people who are just let it whatever their players do and, and everywhere in between. And the most fun I always have is when the DMs are like, OK, go for it. Roll. Just have fun Roll for that. Wow. Like, see if that works. And then, of course, there are the times when you're like, yeah, that's not going to work. I'm going to set, you know, a, a higher um called a, a dc okay. you have to <laughs> a high dc what is it it stands for difficulty class okay so that's basically you set a number uh-huh. of what somebody needs to reach in 
in their role when they roll the dice okay. for them to be able to accomplish that task. So for simple things, like, you don't require a role. Like, I want to go pick that up. Like, that doesn't really require a role for that. Uh-huh. But if it's something that's, like, stuck in the ground or, you know, sword in the stone and you roll a strength check and you have, like, a DC of because it's the sword in the stone, like, maybe the only thing that's going to get you there is a natural 20, you know? So it's not just the storytelling. It's difficulty levels and yes. I, I bet it changed from group to group. So it does. able to do. It, it really does. It depends on what kind of the DM is. Sometimes it just depends even what the DM is feeling. So, you know, the big thing is it, there's a big thing about bringing your DM snacks and <laughs> making sure Note they're in self. a good good mood. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to teach my players it's that. Sacrifice to the, to the DM guts. It, that is I did ex- bring Cheez-Its the day that, that I, did. I showed up. You did. Yeah. But you weren't playing. So it didn't playing. really affect you at all. <laughs> um, you know, because it can depend in even just the D on the DM's mood mm-hmm. um, or kind of the, the picture that they have in their mind. And so you set a, a DC for something and somebody ends up meeting that when you thought it was going to be practically impossible. Mm-hmm. And there are some wow. things that are impossible for sure. Like I cannot pull the sword from the stone. So. Yeah. <laughs> it may take a, a natural 20 roll to, to <laughs> do something because it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. Or you can set the DC so high on something like persuading someone to do something mm-hmm. that they don't want to do. You can set like a persuasion of like, you know, 35 or something like that. <laughs> I think that's one of the cool aspects of the game as well. It's not just your imagination and storytelling and choices you make. There are chances involved in it. Like mm-hmm. you could really think, oh, I know how I'd solve this issue. But if the dice doesn't roll correctly, you can't do it. So you can fail. <laughs> oh. You can fail in this game. You can mm-hmm. be so excited. And actually, I'm I'm excited to talk about this with the movie because yeah. there are times in the movie that I'm like, somebody failed the role. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I was wondering that as I was watching it because it did really feel much like I was watching a game where there's different checkpoints and challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, oh. That must have been a weird role right there or like something we thought was going to be an issue just passed right by. Yes. <laughs> Which let me also explain there is another no, We're just going to remove spoil. We're okay. The way our conversation is cuz it's fun today. We're we're just going to spoil. So when the weird um brain things go by, uh-huh. I'm like that's totally like you thought that was going to be a challenge and So, yeah. So and actually there's also this thing called like the rule of cool, or um, which is an unofficial rule of D and D, is uh-huh. that that's cool enough. I'll allow it, you know. Uh-huh. Um, or there, and also it's like, you know, home house rules. It, it is. It's just like house rules that kind of just come up on the spot of like this would be funny if this happened. <laughs> so um, basically, there's really no way that those brain things could have missed this party. There's really no way. But was it a funny joke? Yes. And can I tell you, like, I have been around tables that have done, like, something, like, almost exactly like that, where it's Mm -hmm. just been, there is going to be this tough challenge, and then it actually ends up being a joke of the low intelligence of this party, you know? Uh Um, And so that is one of the fun things about this game is that, yeah, there are rules. There Uh are, are rules that... This is how the monster is going to attack, and it will attack if this and that. You know, the 
what are those things that the brain thinks the they were hilarious looking. Intellect devourers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Intellect devourers. So, the, like, you know, the intellect devourers, they basically are able to sense anyone above a certain intelligence level. Mm-hmm. Um, Which obviously no one was. <laughs> the thing is, it's like the intelligence, I think, is like six or something like that so which that's a super low, that's low. Number. okay like yeah um and don't quote me because i don't have the stats on that's that fine, right yeah uh, we're just fans talking about we're, it. we're not experts yeah that that is a big thing about this i like D and i have been a casual player of D, and so there's going to be so many things that people listening to this who play D, they go and see the movie and they're like how did you miss this thing how did you not catch this like <laughs> Because we all have different experiences. Yeah, we are all different levels. And (laughs) I'm definitely a a lower level of the game, personally. That's okay. You know, I literally went down to D.C. offices, and I was so nervous because I didn't have everything memorized. I was talking to some of the the big wigs there, the executives there, to maybe get a job there one day. This is years ago. And I told them how nervous I actually was because I didn't want people to be like, oh, you're a fake fangirl because I didn't know every single detail of every single storyline. And he literally looks at me, a man who works for the company, has worked for it 30 years, and he goes, I don't know half the stuff that's going <laughs> on. It's fine. You enjoy it, and that's what matters. And, you know, I think that's kind of what Fan Effect is about as well. You can be fans of any level, but we want to share that it, excitement. It's about enjoying it and having mm-hmm. fun with it. And, yeah, I think, you know, there are levels. There are definitely levels. And... No matter what level you are, you're still a fan. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it just is where's your what your knowledge base is mm-hmm. and your ability to communicate to, it. Yeah, how mm-hmm. you can communicate it. Well, and it was fun too because so I went to the movie with you and I basically know D and D through osmosis, <laughs> through Pinterest boards. You know, there's I know there's something about chaotic good and chaotic evil, whatever. <laughs> like there's different skills and. There's different dices, but that's basically it. But just sitting next to you and you catching those things that I didn't catch and how much enjoyment you got out of it, it makes me want to know more. And I think that's one thing the movie's going to do is if you enjoy this adventure of the movie, which how can you not, Chris Pines? Come on. You're going to want to learn more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that was definitely one thing that watching the movie, because I've mostly been doing homebrews, the one that I'm currently doing right now is the Lost Mine of Fendelver, which is from the. It is a, a it's official book, official one that they, yeah, yeah, one of. Yeah. Uh, so there are things that I haven't brought up to my new players. Yeah, that um, I've just like okay, that's not going to be important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't brought up to them. But then there were things that I'm like, I've seen the movie that I'm like, oh, like. The Helpers, the Lord's Alliance, the Red Wizards, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, oh, they are a part of this lore. and mm-hmm. Like this lore, this massive history of the yeah. world. Well, what is the thing? The campaign. They're part of the current oh. campaign that, like, you know, they're mentioned in the current campaign that we're playing. But then here I go and I see and I'm like, oh, they they are affect, like, the greater world. And oh. so um, it was really fun to see these things that I'm like, okay, I mm-hmm. want to know more about the lore now. I mm-hmm. want to learn more about the world. It's the Forgotten Realms and the mm-hmm. Sword Coast. And I want to learn and understand more of, about the cultures and and their history here yeah. because of the movie. Well, and that, that was one thing that was kind of hard for me watching the movie because I, you know, I'm used to a movie during the exposition to be like, this is the bad guy and this is why, where it kind of unveiled throughout the movie or you just didn't get any explanation at all. So I think that is something that might draw back people who 
aren't as familiar with Dungeons and Dragons or even with fantasy worlds in the first place because there's a lot of really strong archetypes. You mm-hmm. know, the evil wizard, the the good thief, you know, all these different things that we heard through just through storytelling. That is one thing I, I would say was kind of difficult is if I didn't have that fantasy book reading experience and a little bit of D&D knowledge ahead of time, I might have gotten a little lost along the way. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's valid. And because as a movie... This was not the height of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun. Beautiful it was and beautiful fun and, and fun. Ridiculous. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, what made it more fun is sitting there thinking, like, did they play a campaign and then write a movie based off of that? Oh. Um, because what it kind of felt like going through it is there are some parts where it felt like they were like making it up on the spot. They were uh-huh. like, well, we'll just uh, do this in the movie now. <laughs> Chris Pine's great. He's a planner. <laughs> if this plan doesn't work, we're going to do the next. Yes. Do you think he's the DM then? No, no, okay. no. Um, so Chris Pine's character is a bard. And I will say that's one of my biggest criticisms of the yeah, movie yeah. is the lack of like bardment. <laughs> like oh, okay. he doesn't do anything. He sings a few times, which you know makes my heart palpitate. <laughs> he he does sing a few times, but here's the thing: bards have have spells. They can do oh. like yeah, bards have spells. They they do more than just follow people around singing songs. Okay. Like they they actually have usefulness, okay. and and we didn't really see anything from him. He didn't know spells, no. Using his his music to to help in a battle or mm-hmm. anything like he just he was he was a bard spy like that was basically it you know yeah he just kind of was Unless he'd have magic because yeah. in the show it's only two of the main character no well three I guess um of like the main party have have magic it seemed like so that is super interesting yeah so magic is more broad in the lore than um. He, there's bardic magic, and mm-hmm. so it is through however the bard practices, and a lot of bards are musical, but, you know, you don't have to be mainly, like, a minstrel to be a bard. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I had a friend who uh, played a character, her her bard actually never played music mm-hmm. and would monologue, was an actor, and oh. so <laughs> the way that they be able to use their magic with that they would whip out monologues uh-huh. and i let me tell you um that is that was a very mixed kind of character to to play with um it definitely had some very fun here's the structure go nuts it, it definitely had some very fun moments um also, some that were just like, oh my gosh, no, this is just taking up time um and that that's gonna happen no matter what but so, yeah, that's something that I missed is being able to see anything, his abilities as a bard. Okay. But, Do you think they dumbed that down for people like me who wouldn't understand that? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. that's why. I don't really, you know, because... Because I did think, like, we didn't have any, like, cool troll-type characters in, like, the main party. They're primarily uh, humans oh, except the tiefling. You mean, like, a half-orc? Yeah, yeah. There wasn't, like, there were side characters that were, like... What is it called? Dragon folk or or whatever that cat thing was. Tabaxi. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they simplified it for beginners like me. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, they did throw in a tiefling. And... Mm-hmm. Which I had to ask you afterwards now. What is that? Yes. That's why she can shapeshift. Okay. Just... No, that is not why she can no? shapeshift. She can shapeshift because she's a druid. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, this is this is the, the issue. <laughs> okay. So she her her race okay. is a tiefling. That means that she's a descendant of demons. Okay. Um her class is druid. So that's why she's able to shape shift into the different oh. things. So for instance, Chris Pine, his human. race is a human, but his class is bar. Okay. Okay. So there's like a difference between race and kind of Magic occupation, I guess. Yes, basically, <laughs> or yeah, your your occupation or your you know adventuring occupation. Mm-hmm. So the main classes we've got human, half elf, half orc, tiefling, Asimar, gnome, halfling, uh, dragonborn. Um, th- I mean, so many. Yeah, the lizard folk, mm-hmm. um, turtles, right? Turtles. Turtles. Is that yeah. like a turtle? Yeah. Uh, like, so basically different races that you can choose from, and then you can go and choose whatever kind of thing. So then, you you know, you have paladin, fighter, barbarian, mm-hmm. um, rogue, which Hugh Grant's character was a rogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he has maxed out his charisma. <laughs> um, that was one thing that I thought was funny in the movie, how they mentioned that they need him because of his charisma. Uh-huh. And they have released stat blocks. A stat block is basically that gives the information on a character or uh-huh. on a monster or on These are like- a beast that you can use in your game. Uh-huh. So they've released stat blocks of those characters. There's like different skills or personality things. Um, I go to The Sims because I remember... Practicing in the mirror as a sim with my yeah, talk. So, to the um, your basic stats, you know, strength, dexterity, wisdom, intelligence, mm-hmm. charisma, constitution. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so in Hugh Grant's, on his character sheet, his charisma is a 20, which is maxed out. And so I thought it was funny how they, you know, in the movie talk about his charisma uh-huh. um, and how that was needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a big thing is that, you know, rogues generally tend to be very charismatic. Bards tend to be charismatic. Um, different classes have different... Kind of leanings? Yeah, like different different of the stats that, like, is important to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense because I know they talked a lot about, like, the elf magic guy... Uh, he had to have confidence in order to to use his magic better. So it sounds like the way your skills are, the way these levels are, mm-hmm. interacts how you actually play and use the it game. It does because maxing out those different scores or increasing those different scores, mm-hmm. that is what you add to your roll. So you mm-hmm. roll the die and then you add whatever you have in that skill or in you know that stat to the die roll to see if you succeed or not. So that guy, he's a sorcerer, actually, uh-huh. um, which is different than a wizard. Sorcerers are born with magic. It's innate magic. Wizards study magic. Mm-hmm. There's always rules with magic, mm-hmm. you have to, and you have to stick with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, that was kind of the thing for him is that he – I'd actually be curious to look at his stat I wonder block. if they'll – I'm sure someone afterwards – when the movie gets public, so we're recording this before it comes out um, on the thirty first. So we don't. I'm sure as soon as it does, people are going to be breaking that all apart. Yes. Now this is Justice Smith. He plays Simon. He's like awkward, 
elven guy more powerful than he th- than he thinks. He was fantastic and so adorable. Good. He's adorable. Yeah, so adorable. Both him and Sophia Lillis, who plays Doric the Tiefling, wonderful. And then you you mentioned strength, Michelle Rodriguez, who I've loved her since I first discovered her in Lost. Uh, she's very strong. She's been fast and furious. She's she's amazing in it. She has that strength. So those skills are yes. able to have some very unique fights and a tendency to to bring in potatoes into the role as well. Um, can I also <laughs> say so? She is a barbarian. Okay, I'm just looking up her stat block right now. <gasps> they so they put it out. Oh yeah, the, oh, the, cool. the, the it's official. It's like on the official D and D Beyond site. That's fantastic. Um, so anyway, she is a barbarian and. She is like was fantastic. Oh my gosh, I love um, Michelle. I, like I said, since I saw her in Lost, I loved how when she fought, like she's like, like you hear her like that's that's a, a rage. Um, that's the thing that barbarians do. They they have rage that help them, you know, tap into you, that strength. yeah, <laughs> tap into that strength where it gives them abilities and things like that. Uh-huh. And so I just thought it was fun to see her. It wasn't an over the top rage. It uh-huh. wasn't like she was like raging. She was she was not hulking out, but it was like her interpretation of barbarian rage, uh-huh. and it was I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic mm-hmm. that she just tapped into that. Sometimes, it, do you think the the range of the characters and the races and everything how they interact in the the main core group that are like playing the game? Do you think that was a good sample of what D and D characters kind of are like? Yes, and I have to say one of the a big trope of when people create their characters, mm-hmm. um, what is the motivation for why is their character out there adventuring? Oh yeah, we got that the whole um, freaking time. And backstory, backstory, backstory. But the thing is, the biggest thing is like happy people just don't go leave their friends and family to just go adventuring. And so, I mean, they do. Mm-hmm. It's just it has hard, to be that like exciting. You, it, it's it's you know you you can definitely make a happy backstory and be fine. Like you really can. <laughs> But the the most common thing to do is the tragic backstory. Mm-hmm. Tragic backstory. And so when we start the movie off with the retelling of a tragic backstory, uh-huh. to me, was hilarious. Because I'm just like, I, I feel like I am getting ready for a game. Like somebody oh, yeah. is telling me their tragic backstory mm-hmm. and why they're there and their motivations. Like, we're we're starting a game like that's what it feels love like. That analogy, that's fantastic. We're even then when we had a new character come in. Oh, this is my backstory. Yeah, and then they join. And the thing this is, is, my backstory. Their backstories aren't like. Um, I mean, besides at the very beginning, we get a more in depth backstory. Mm-hmm. But the other ones, it's just like this very like. Yeah, let me mention to you like how I was abandoned and disowned, and now I've been taken in by the Emerald Enclave and. Uh, now this is my family. And so, like, it's very, like, when watching a movie, that is very weird and odd to Uh do stuff like that. That is not very, like, good movie making. But doing that, I honestly am like, this is how character introductions go in D&D sometimes, where it's like, yeah, I am here because... I lost my parents and I've been orphaned and now I've been wandering the world trying to find their murder. Like, this, it is, it just felt very... Much like a character introduction in the actual game. And I think that's one of the big reasons why I really thoroughly enjoyed it is because this movie was 
if if you were go into it wanting to just go watch a movie, yeah. you're going to be like, why did they make these choices? Uh, uh-huh. And why this doesn't this is a little weird, but if you go into it with the idea of I'm going to watch what is in the minds of the players around a table playing a campaign, mm-hmm. then that's what it feels like. I mean, there are some times where it's just like feel like they're they're making things up as they go. You like, freaking love. <laughs> I know. I'm like this is so it was the fat giant chunky dragon. I, oh, I, I drew it while we were watching it. Folks. I, I loved it so much. It I'm like so this funny. is so ridiculous. I love it. I love it. I love it. I but love it. Even like on the plot, even uh-huh. the plot stuff, it was like, okay, well that felt like a a pointless rent like why mm-hmm. did we do that and then it comes together and then it does come together which you know a good dm does stuff like that they mm-hmm. they let their players fail mm-hmm. and so the players will go and they will go complete the quest that they need to do to go complete the quest but the thing is completely like the thing doesn't work out and so it becomes completely pointless and they need another plan and so they have to make another plan and then a good DM seeing their players put in this work and this effort will be able to to tie things back in together and make that effort worth it. And uh-huh. which I, it felt like that's what happened. Yeah, and it felt it kind of grew organically. There wasn't as many plot points seated at the front that we were going to have towards the end. Although there were some really great parallels, mm-hmm. it did seem more evolved. Like you're discovering the adventure as you go along. It, it was. I think of the dragonflies and you know and calling the daughter bug and things like mm-hmm. that. How it related back to the mother. Oh, I love that. That's such a fun idea to move forward. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I loved that it did feel kind of organic, like an organic game. Mm -hmm. And whether or not there, I mean, there are two options here, either, or actually a couple options here. Like, it could have been lazy filmmaking. Yeah. It could have been Which sounds like some of the previous Dungeons and Dragons entertainment (laughs) has. Look, let me just tell you, like, no matter what, Jeremy Irons... I love him always, and so I still love that first Dungeons and Dragons. It's like nineteen eighties, right? Um, I can't remember. I think it was like it could have even been like ninety one. I don't remember when it was. It was so long ago. Um, but um, oh, what was I saying though? Um, uh, I don't know, but I was enjoying it so much. So it could have been lazy filmmaking. So it could have, yeah, it could have been lazy filmmaking, or it could have been very good filmmaking to be very intentional, uh-huh. or it could have just been a bunch of nerds who <laughs> were having fun. Um, it, so I mean, just oh, the parodies I've seen, <laughs> whatever, whatever it was that how this came into being, uh-huh. I enjoyed the output. I right. Well, and even so, you looked at it, and yeah, there's a lot of computer graphics and things like that. But there's also really a lot of high quality sets, practical props, just the 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 music of it, the cinematog the cinematography. There are moments I'm like, that is a gorgeous shot, and that is a fun shot. So it wasn't just we're going to tell this story, but they wanted to build up the other cinematic uh, aspects of it. The Safrana, what was her name? The evil witch, red wizard lady. Her costume. Holy cow. I really loved that. That was really gorgeous. Cool. And and then there was moments of super silly, silliness that really added to it. It reminded me of almost Monty Python-esque. 
moments, particularly when they have to raise the dead in the graveyard and they only have five questions. <laughs> um, honestly, I just – it is not often – when I go to a movie and I'm sitting there and if I'm thinking that it's not a movie, I'm like, this is such a good movie. Like, if I t- am taken out of the movie, I don't feel like that's a, a great movie. Yeah. But this movie took me out of it and I kept thinking to like, oh my gosh, a DM totally would have done that. Uh-huh. And the players would just be like, oh, crap. Like, why did you? <laughs> and the DM would be cracking up and thinking it was hilarious what they mm-hmm. were doing. And oh, so that was such a fun thing about this movie that while I kept getting taken out of it, I get, kept getting taken out of it because I was going to the game that uh-huh. was being played. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, there were definitely moments that happened that I was like, uh, somebody at the at the table made a funny comment. And mm-hmm. the DM was like, yep, let's go with it. Let's and play with it. <laughs> let, let, I, I, let, it's. You know, somebody said it wouldn't be funny if, or the DM just like, oh, it'd be funny if this happened, and and, and it it happened. You know, that's why we have the intellect of hours just walking by. Like mm-hmm. somebody could have just said, oh, it'd be funny if they because we're <laughs> Chris, all numb. That's kind of hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because it means that there's nobody of intelligence there. Uh, mm-hmm. The showdown where the tumbleweed basket the tumbleweed basket yeah goes across like mm-hmm. i literally that cracked me up because i've been around tables where people mm-hmm. have just made ridiculous comments and were like yeah mm-hmm. that totally happened that way you mm-hmm. know well and speaking about that showdown what one of those moments i kind of saw so we have the red wizard what's her name safrina safina safina who is just beautifully dark and evil and has such a good character background to her that I, you know, I was excited we got a little, a little more out of her eventually. And then we have Simon and they're fighting and I liked how they actually had it. So it was like the hands that they were fighting with and it reminded me of rolling the dice and how are we doing yep. this that way? All these little fun moments and references to, to the game just in the way they interacted with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say I wish that I had paid better attention during that final boss fight mm-hmm. because I wanted to see if, thinking about it later, if what they did was, did they do a turn-based? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember because I just got into the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, there were other fights that definitely were not like uh, kind of like turn-based because there would be, you know, one person taking on a group of guards, which yeah. in the game... That's that's really not something that's going to happen. But when it came to the final boss fight, I feel like there was like everybody kind of got a turn with the boss. At the very end part. Yeah. Uh And even the surprise, you know, the daughter being able to to put her two cents in towards the end there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they each got their turn to use their skills, their power, you know, what they've learned along the way in order to to fight her and and to hold her down. Yeah. And so that's what happens in a and d fight is Mm -hmm. that you, especially when you're on the final boss, all the characters are there. You roll initiative. So whoever has the highest roll goes first and then it just there's a turn order and everybody gets their turn until the fight is over. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like everybody had their moment to, to fight. That. Yeah. And now that's kind of normal in movies anyway. You kind of see each character do well, their in thing. A, but... In a movie, you know that the good yeah. guy is going to win. And you know the good guy is going to win. I have like to kind of go back and think like the way that the turn order works. Let's watch it a little little yeah. bit more there. I do want to watch it again for I sure. Am, oh, totally. I can totally see you doing that. 
was there any other things that were kind of like the game? One thing I noticed is there's one part when they're kind of stuck in the lava area. They have to cross the bridge. And Hel- Holga pulls out her walking stick and he goes, oh, no, you're not using that item correctly. That's, this is a hither thither. And he explains it. Um, okay. is that, is what other moments like that are totally like the game? So things like that definitely happen in the game where... There could be some sort of loot or something that mm-hmm. somebody picks up and let's say they ask, "Is can I tell anything about this sword or this walking stick or whatever? Mm-hmm. Can I, they roll low and they're like, it's just a normal thing. They think it's a normal thing. Oh, wow. But then comes to a moment and maybe the DM gives someone inspiration of like, hey, maybe you should roll to see if you recognize that item. Mm-hmm. And then they do, and then it's like, this is what it is. And so it's kind of like the DM will place things to help the party. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the party misses them because of roles or because sometimes the players just really aren't paying attention. And sometimes the DM just lets that slide and like, okay, well, you missed out on this opportunity. Sometimes the DM will be like, you know, damn inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like maybe somebody should – uh Check out that 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 item. That, you know? that thing over maybe, there. What's that shiny thing? Maybe look at that item there that you got, or remind somebody that they do have uh-huh. a certain item. Uh, especially if the DM has been planning on that item being used or something. The DM's like, just use the drink thing. Mm-hmm. And so it just felt like one of those moments where the DM was like, use the thing I gave you. <laughs> We you have a this thing. Before. I gave you a thing for a specific purpose. Use the thing now. So it sounds like there's like there's expectations that are created, and then there's fun times as well where they just flip expectations, mm-hmm. like the fat dragon, <laughs> the the barbarian in love with. I don't. It wasn't a hobbit. What what would? Uh, that was. I think he was a gnome. A gnome or something. It's a very small person. Like that yeah. was really fun. I think that was a gnome. It could have been a halfling. I actually am not entirely sure. No. One expectation I'm curious about in the movie. It's a movie. They're gonna Hollywood the ending. We know that. Can you ever lose the game? Oh. Or do you no. just keep going if the bad like say if the the evil witch Sephora Zafrina Zephora, whatever terrible at names. What if she had rolled and won? You just keep playing until evil's conquered? So, in a way, there is no losing D&D. Like, uh-huh. the game on the whole, there's you don't lose. You win because you play and you have fun. Okay. Like, that's really what it is. Now, there are campaigns that have things that you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what happens is you do fail. You don't accomplish that thing. But uh-huh. What also can happen is characters can die. Yeah. Like your character can die and you roll a new character and then you really? keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how you play the game and how you want to play the game. But you can either just be like, oh, OK, we're done with this campaign. Or it's like, no, we're going to like roll new characters. And there's this whole other group who's coming in who's going to take care of this or if the hmm. characters get away and you know save the they're fighting for another day then there's more story there's more that they're doing mm-hmm. the campaign ends when you choose to let it end uh-huh. cuz even though there's already pre-written stories pre-written campaigns that it's like here's where it ends you don't have to do that Wow. You can keep going. There are new adventures out there always, whether you grab another pre-written one or you start 
your own story mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to ever it end. It sets you up to the sequel, which I bet there probably is going to be a sequel to this one, judging by the amount of people I'm, that showed up to just the screening. I'm not going to lie. I would not mind if Dungeons and Dragons movies came the thing after Marvel movies. <laughs> right? We had no like, superheroes. We want more fantasy. We, we more. had our superhero time. <laughs> Let's go into our role-playing game time. Well, and you never... Oh, I just got an idea. Mm-hmm. You never know. You think of like the streaming successes of Choose Your Own plotline movies that's happened recently no i'm not oh oh we have to play some of those okay there's some interesting ones yes please can do that with dungeons and dragons i got chills look at that oh my gosh (laughs) yeah the streaming services can get on top of and have their own choose your own adventure Mm -hmm. uh yeah kind of storylines like that that so overall do you think they're gonna have a sequel to this one do you think it'll be popular enough i think it will be popular this is a hard thing to say because yeah. right now a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons community is wary about Wizards of the Coast the people who are That's over... right there's I I'm don't I uh, this is osmosis on Reddit this is that's all yeah. I know mm-hmm. and so you know with very good reason and so the thing is I have loved the game and I loved this movie it's something that I want to keep playing, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm also one of those kind of wary people because we don't want to support something that is <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, and especially when there Going are so, back against what they have promised so many decades. options out there. There mm-hmm. are so many options for role-playing games besides Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. And so um, while I would love to see more of this... Um, I also want to see a healthy community. Right. And yeah. so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. That, I love that. What I like about this, you know, we talk about this a lot where, you know, I kind of rejected my nerdiness until I was like 27, 28, and I read a, The Joy of, Kanmari's Joy of Cleaning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just so you can surround yourself by things that make you happy and bring, bring you joy. joy and that's one thing we we practice a lot as a, as a friendship like tonight we're going to a regency dance dress in regency clothes we are trying to ex- make experiences out of these things that bring us joy which is nerdy things mm-hmm. and i think what's great about this film is it might invite more people to play in that to play in their joy uh whether it's like the game or whatnot it's it's bringing people in and oh we yeah I want more of that. I want more people enjoying their fandoms. Mm -hmm. I do too. And Mm -hmm. I just love that uh, this has become a farther reach, easier to find people to play with Mm -hmm. and do this with, and uh, has also opened up the doors for me to play other systems, other games, and, and, and so join kind of other fandoms in that way. And so I just love that hopefully this movie kind of gets people interested if you've never played an rpg game before if you enjoy the movie find a game find a table play with us (laughs) yeah play with us um it it is so much fun i am really enjoying my table of newbies and even though i'm a first-time dm and my knowledge base is very minimal compared to so many other people i know 
watching people have so much fun with this and make choices and also break out of their shells yes. too a little bit mm-hmm. uh, is just that part is also such a joy too. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I love it. And I love that you're able to, to join me today. Thank you so much, JJ, for talking with me. <gasps> thanks for having me, Kellyanne. This is so much fun. <laughs> and to our listeners, thanks for listening to this episode of Fan Effect, a KSL News Radio podcast. Uh, beyond sci fi, fantasy, gaming, and tech, we are excited to share with you our knowledge and arguments <laughs> on everything pop culture and fandom. Based in the beautiful Beehive State, Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture, and we are excited to bring you local guests that feel the same way. Uh, I am your host, Callie Ann Halverson. My co-host, Andy, did not join us today, but he will have his own review up on what to watch on KSL TV the Friday the movie comes out, which I will turn into a podcast. Listen regularly to our podcast on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com, kslpodcast.com, or even on the KSL News Radio app. Do you have a fun idea or local fan culture topic you would like us to explore? Let us know. Message our Facebook page at Fan Effects Show, where you can also get the latest nerdliest updates uh, on all things pop culture and even join that conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Fan Effects Show and Twitter at Fan Effects Show. And remember, that's Fan Effect with an E. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to have you back real soon for another episode of Fan Effect. This is what's had about having two neurodivergent people trying to stay focused. What What was I going to say, though? I was like...